Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's so easy to be average. You know it as well as I know it. It takes a little something to be special, Don. It takes a little something special to be a great player. We don't have enough great players. To hell with that! We don't want to coach average. I don't want to be around you. Why be around average? proud of our young people in the classroom, in the community, and most especially in 310 days in Ann Arbor, Michigan, on the football field. Three things. Number one, the team that hits the hardest and the longest, the team that starts the fastest, and the team is too damn smart to make mistakes. If you take it to them, if you don't make mistakes, and you keep taking it to them, hell, there's no question who wins. It's time for the best Buckeye podcast. By fans, for the fans, where they hate that team up north as much as you do. It's time for the OHIO Podcast. OHIO! Welcome back to the OHIO Podcast, everybody. I am Buckeye Boggs. That man over there is Chris Wilds. How's it going this Sunday evening, Mr. Wilds? Oh, it's great, Eric. I don't mean, got a little bit of a cold, but I'll tell you, it was a beautiful day outside today. Uh, you know, I just hope my daughter has this next weekend when she starts getting out there selling them Girl Scout cookies because typically it is a freezing cold weekend when we get started, so... You just uh, made this oh, fat boy very, very happy with the announcement of Girl Scout cookies. Oh yeah, oh yeah, they are, uh, they are out. Uh, we actually start distributing uh, next Saturday. So, Woo! do I need do to make a any... stop in Delaware? We're picking them up in Columbus. Do I need to make a stop in Delaware on my way back? Yes, just when you're heading 23 <laughs> North, just quick left over there. Come down Lexington yep. Boulevard. Drop off about half your pickup for me. You know, we'll, you sure we'll, about that? Because we're probably picking up about five thousand boxes. Uh, yeah, twenty five hundred sounds good. <laughs> I think you know. <laughs> What's up tonight, Ryan? Good to see you in the house, my man. So here's the deal, everybody. This has been a huge week for us. We uh, hinted out, hinted at an announcement at the end of last week's show. It's not a secret anymore, Chris. 
The OHIO podcast is the official Ohio State football pack podcast of fansided.com, which is a media company based out of, I believe, Chicago, Illinois. And the Scarlet and Game website is the Ohio State website for Fansided. And our podcast, right there, man. It's right there on the Fansided website. Chris, how excited are you, man? I am tickled pink. Four years, it. but here we are. Yeah, you know, and, and I'll tell you, it, it's been an amazing ride, Eric. And this, I think, is just the, you know, it, it's starting to culminate a little bit into, you know, seeing the fruits of our labors really start to pay off. Uh, you know, I couldn't be more excited about being a part of the the fan-sided uh, site. Uh, it's just, it's exciting. It's great. I just can't wait to see what the future holds for us. And it's a really great partnership because they are – their um, motto, if you will, is fan driven. And that is what this podcast has been from yeah. day number one. We are fans of the Ohio State University and the Buckeyes. We we do not hide that. <laughs> we, Absolutely we, not. we are homers, man. And so um, there's a lot of people out there in the media that they have to they have to go about this on a professional level. And we we will as well to a degree, but we are Buckeye fans first and foremost. And they said they love that about this, our podcast and about our show. So if you're listening to this for the first time via through the fan-sided site, welcome in. We appreciate having you in. Hopefully you like what you hear, you enjoy the content, uh, content, and you'll come back on a weekly basis to listen to what we have to offer throughout the offseason and into next season here at the OHIO podcast. You might also, for those of you who've been listening for years now and been following us, you might notice that it sounds a little bit different different um now that it's through the fan-sided uh website there and through the scarlet and games uh, website that's okay uh it's still all the same thing just a couple di- couple ads added to it now is all it is okay and beyond that there's going to be some exciting things happening down the pike but before we get into it too much here by the way uh matt butcher's in the house all the way from australia i believe it is his lunch break on a monday so Thankful to have Matt here. So here's what we do. We have four. Last time I checked, we had 49 followers on YouTube. All of you 49 plus anybody else this week that signs up, we will have a drawing next week uh, on the live show here on Sunday night. And the winner of that drawing will receive a free OHIO podcast. Hang on Sloopy t-shirt. There it is. We have them from small all the way up to 5X for us big fellas, okay? So don't you worry about that. And all you have to do to be in the drawing is just subscribe to our YouTube channel. And then that'll automatically put you in the drawing. And then next Sunday, we will draw a winner for that T-shirt as our way of celebrating the new partnership with Fansided and Scarlet in Game and all of you there who are following us on YouTube. All right. That being said, let's jump into our first topic of the uh, evening tonight. Here we go, Chris. Ranking Ohio State's 2023 road games. They have six of them this year. This is the first time since, we think, 1896. Since we've had six road games. Here's what's also very interesting about this. Half of those are in the state of Indiana, South Bend, West Lafayette, and Bloomington, okay? 
Uh, we also go to Madison, Wisconsin. We go to Ann Arbor, Michigan. And we also go to Piscataway, New Jersey. All right. So those are our six road games this year that we will be having. And I want to know, Chris, let's rank them from easiest to hardest. All right. Now, we also did a Facebook poll uh, a few hours ago. We've gotten a really good response from that in just, I think, four, four or six hours, something like that, since it's been up. Four hours. And we're going to reveal those after we do this. But let's start with number six, the easiest road game for Ohio State in 2023, Chris. Uh, for me, it's got to be Rutgers. I mean, Shiano's made some improvements down there. And it's, it's, a, it's a decent and improving team. But, you know, the Buckeyes by early November should right any of the wrongs that they've got going on, the little bugs that may come with having a bunch of new starters. Uh, and, and let's face it, you know, Rutgers has some horses, but Ohio State's got thoroughbreds. And that's the difference. I see this being an easy win for the Buckeyes. Yeah, absolutely. So I actually have um, them at number five. I actually have probably your number five at number six, and that's Indiana, the trip to Bloomington. Yes. Now, I understand why you might have them at number five because of some history of being some close games there, but I will tell you this much we will overrun that stadium. And it's the kickoff of the season. That kind of gives me a little. Ee. First game of the year on the road. Conference opener. Yeah, but you know, I still think we go in there and we handle them. You look at Indiana's roster, it sucks. It does, Eric, but you know, we're going in there with a new quarterback, at least three new starting offensive linemen. Uh, I know it's Indiana, but you know what? We're going to probably make some mistakes early, uh, you know, until things get ironed out and until they get used to playing together. And while it should be a fairly easy game, and obviously I think this is an easy win for Ohio State, you know, like you said, season opener, conference opener, you've got a coach who's going to be on the hot seat coming into this season, I think. There's a lot of, of reason that Indiana needs to go out there and prove themselves, and I think could possibly, I, I think it could be a close game at the half, but I think Ohio State probably pulls away. All right, so we flip-flop five and six, but that brings us to number four, Chris. You know, I I debated on this, but I got to go with Purdue. Now, you know, Purdue's a team that historically has given the Buckeyes a little bit of trouble. Uh, While Ohio State dominates the the series over the last 15 games, uh, you know, Purdue does have five wins in the last 15 games. All five of those wins did come at West Lafayette the last time the Buckeyes visited, visited West Lafayette was in the 2018 season. I'm pretty sure we all remember what happened then. Uh, you know, they've got a good young quarterback coming in in the Texas transfer Houston card, or Hudson card, rather. Uh, you know, he was a highly recruited four-star uh, out of Lake Travis High School in 2020, ranked as the 59th best player in the nation at that time. Second best dual threat quarterback, which is another thing that tends to give Ohio State a little bit of trouble from time to time is those dual threat quarterbacks. Uh, you know, he's got a pretty experienced offensive line. And some decent skill players, not great, but decent. Uh, and I think they, the Buckeyes could, again, have their hands full for a part of the game. But again, I think this is an Ohio State win. I agree with you, uh, Chris. This that, That's number four for me. Now, there's some history there. Definitely. And, uh, last time we went to West Lafayette, Indiana, it was not a good trip. Um, Cost us a I- run at the, the CFP. Yes, it did. And, you know, they had everything going for them that night with the young man who was uh, 
uh, on yes. you know his life was uh, coming to a close, and he just motivated that team, that entire university, that entire stadium. It and once that momentum started going downhill, there was nothing we could do to stop it. That was a bad night for Ohio State, but. Um, so, yeah, there's a little bit of PTSD for Buckeye fans there, a little bit, absolutely. All right, that brings us to the big three. There are three, and I think these, I think everybody agrees who number one's going to be, probably just based off the last history of the last couple of years. But the next two are arguments both ways. So, I'm interested to get what number three is for you. Is it Wisconsin or is it Notre Dame? Oh, it's Notre Dame. You know, Marcus Freeman did start off a little rough at the beginning of last season, finished with a respectable record. Uh, took the Buckeyes to the limit in Columbus last year, uh, you know, and really there, there's a lot of great storylines in this game. I mean, are we going to have a styles clash? You know, you've got Lorenzo and uh, Sonny both could see time on the field there. You've got uh, the the former Buckeye, Javante John Baptiste over there. Is he going to be a game changer for Notre Dame? You know, you got the little animal returning home. Is that going to have an impact on the game? Uh, how is the uh, offensive coordinator, Tommy Reese, leaving for Alabama going to impact the Irish? So it's a team with uh, Notre Dame is a team with a lot of good returning talent. I think they've got probably the gem of the um, free agent class, if you will, in getting Wake Forest transfer Sam Hartman to come in and lead that offense, um, playing quarterback. So, uh, you know, playing at Notre Dame. Anytime is no walk in the park. And I think the Notre Dames will be highly motivated, but I do see the Buckeyes being up to the challenge. So the recent history is, is that we were dominating this series. Yes. Um, we had a brand, they had a brand new head coach coming into the horseshoe and they played a doggone good game. I felt we were very conservative in that game, trying to feel out yes. who we were as a team a little bit. We had high expectations. Those expectations, um, those expectations were kind of not met at first. Right. Um, you know, by the end of the season, we were we were you know, especially in that uh, bowl game, we were hitting on all cylinders. But that first game, it was kind of a little bit wonky. I yeah. don't know what to expect this season, to be honest. And so, going into there, we will at least have a couple games under our belt. I think three. I think that's the fourth game yes. of the season. You know, it'll be the second road game after Indiana, and Indiana's atmosphere will be nothing like what it will be in South Bend. But I don't know that Notre Dame is in a good place as a program right now. They're losing yeah. some coaches left and right. Uh, although they've got a really good recruiting class, that recruiting class is going to be very young, obviously, so they're all going to be freshmen. I don't know how much you can depend on true and freshmen. And you could see some flips, Eric, that may have been attached to these coaches that have left. You could. You could also see that they've got an incoming quarterback from Wake Forest. Yeah. And he's going to come in with super high expectations. and But with a new offensive coordinator, I don't know what right. to expect. Exactly. So I just feel – I don't – this one doesn't scare me as much as the other road trip with a new head coach. Yeah. Madison, Wisconsin. Yeah. Luke Fickle. Uh, Luke Fickle's never had the backing of a fan base, school, atmosphere, you name it, like he will have in Madison. Now, he did for Ohio State in 2011, but he was so inexperienced then. 
he is a completely different and, coach. Now. And that, that was a program in turmoil. It truly was uh, with everything going on, Eric. Uh, like you said, this is an experienced, very good Luke Fickle, uh, who is a head coach. He's returning some pretty good talent. You got the running back coming, the running backs coming back, and they had a pair of great running backs. Uh, you know, he's he's brought in some quality players through the portal, including a few Cincinnati guys who know his system. Uh, you know, we both think Luke Fickle is going to go out and be coach of the year this next year in the Big Ten. I think we agreed upon that. Uh, he's going to go in there. I think he has the potential to have only one blemish on his record, that being the game against Ohio State. Uh, he's got a fairly easy schedule for the most part outside of Ohio State. Uh, I think everything's setting up very well for Luke Fickle. And I'll tell you right now, if Ohio State sleeps on Luke Fickle, they are going to be in for the fight of their lives. Yes, they are. Um, this one scares me a little bit. Now, here's how I came to my decision to put Wisconsin's the road game in Madison over South Bend. I, if I were to put Wisconsin and Notre Dame head-to-head, on a neutral field, who do I think would win? I think Wisconsin's going to win that football game. I agree. I, I think it's it's Fickle. Fickle is the difference in that game. And the running game. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, I know Notre Dame had a decent running game this year. But, but that was because the great running backs coming back. Yes. Wisconsin Wisconsin, and, and, and with the change of philosophy that they're going to have offensively. Yes. I mean, I've been saying it for – for decades, if Wisconsin had anything of a passing game, they would be a national contender. And, and look out for those running backs who are both decent pass catchers to make a huge impact in the passing game. Those those wheel routes that we seem to hate so much that we can't defend, they're, you're going to see them out of Wisconsin, I think, with this new offensive coordinator. Which makes number one the trip to the team up north in Ann Arbor. Yeah, and, and it has to be. I mean, you look at this, Eric. This, this is... Well, I think this is a, a do-or-die type game for Ryan Day. I truly believe that. You've lost the last two seasons. This isn't just about the playoff implications at this point. Jim Harbaugh, quite frankly, has, has just flat-out out-coached Ryan Day the last two years. Uh, if Day loses this game, it could spell the last time that he has the opportunity to face Jim Harbaugh as an Ohio State coach, despite the great success he has had. Uh, you know, and I, I know I have been on Ryan Day's case for a good portion of this year because I thought he was way too conservative. Uh, but there's no way that I think that Jim Harbaugh is a superior coach to Ryan Day. Uh, I think that if Ryan Day takes the gloves off and just goes for it, he's going to beat Michigan. However, I do think it is a do-or-die type of game, a ton of pressure on the Buckeyes, and Ryan Day to get done this year. All right. We have a comment here that uh, I, I can't ignore. Jason, it is. Is, is that the legendary Woody hat? There's a listener for uh, for a while right there. He knows what the Woody hat's all about. You've got to protect the noggin. You don't want to catch TTU in, man. You don't want TTU in, so you got to put the Woody hat on. <laughs> very very good jason all right next topic here chris this is going to be a lot of fun ohio state offensive line predict the starting lineup uh for opening day 2023 all right so let's say let's do this first 
let's assume everybody makes it through the spring and summer and into fall camp healthy, okay? We don't lose any of these guys. We know that Ryan Day said the guards are not moving. They're going to stay put, so we know at least two starters right there. Right. I want you to predict going from left to right, starting at left tackle, who you think the starting lineup would be as of today if we had to play a game today. Okay, yeah, so I did do that. I, I went with the assumption that we have not picked up anybody in the transfer portal to slide in. Okay. Uh, so for me, uh, because I do think we will pick up somebody in the next cycle, but uh, for me right now, I think it's got to be Zim Mikowski starting at the left tackle. Um, I really think he's going to get the nod. However, if he does struggle, don't be surprised to see redshirt freshman uh, Tagera to Tish- I'm never going to get his name right. Shabola. Shabola. Yeah. There we go. Uh, he, you know, he may be poised to step in. We've heard a lot of great things about this young man. I, he's probably still a little bit raw, uh, but, you know, we've heard a lot of positive things and he may be willing to, or maybe in a position to pressure Mikowski should he, uh, you know, start to stumble a little bit. Uh, as you said, oh, go ahead. I was going to ask you why Zinn over Josh Fryer? Because Josh Fryer actually got playing time at left tackle this year. I think you're going to see Fryer at the other tackle. At right. Yes. Okay, so that's interesting because I have him flipped. I've got Fryer at left tackle being the older, more mature, experienced guy, and Zinn Mikowski at right. However, if it's if it's ten, you know, ten to one, half a dozen the other, right? Why yeah. wouldn't you put the younger guy at left tackle if he's going to be all Correct. right there and have an extra year? So I follow. I pick. I'm picking up what you're putting down, brother. Yeah, yeah, and that was my thought process. Uh, you know, obviously we know, like you said, Donovan Jackson's going to be the back at the left guard. You know, right now I think you got to go with the redshirt junior uh, Jacob James at center. Uh, I think he gets the nod here, uh, but if he struggles, you got that transfer uh, Victor Cutler. And as well as uh, redshirt sophomore Toby Wilson, who could be poised to challenge. Uh, but I think Jacob James gets the first crack at it. Uh, and then, like you said, Matthew Jones is going to be back to play the right guard. And as I mentioned, I think Josh Fryer's there at the right tackle. But again, you know, you got a, a young guy in Big Christman who's, uh, you know, really wanting to get on the field as well. So I see a little bit of the competition there as well. Okay. <clears throat> so. Uh, I tell you what, why don't you go ahead and go guard center guard for me? And then I will be right back. I'm going to, uh, get in touch with our guest here, Chris. So go ahead and take it over. Explain what you got going on here in the, in the first part. In this from left, uh, left guard, left center, guard. Okay. right guard. So, so left guard, uh, we've got, uh, Donovan Jackson returning there center. We got Jacob James. And right guard, I've got Matthew Jones. Uh, You know, I think that's just, it's, first of all, a lot of beef. I think they're three excellent blockers who are going to be able to really get an inside running game, get that push. Um, And I think that is why we're going to go the the direction we are. Uh, I I am a little surprised, though, that there was no, no, um, not even an inkling of a thought to move Donovan Jackson to the outside. I mean, Initially, he was, I believe, recruited as a tackle, was he not? Who was that? Donovan Jackson. 
Uh, it, it could, but he could either way. It was guard, but he had the the length and size to possibly move yeah. the tackle. But I was surprised with that as well. Yes. Yeah. So for me, that was a little bit of a surprise. But you know what? I think Ryan Day's probably doing it to keep continuity on that inside of that line. Yeah. So I'm with you there, Chris. I think definitely that you know, you know, because we there was a lot of people that thought Donovan was going to be straight up going to be go move the tackle. But I, I kind of understand what Ryan's doing here. If you have those guards in place, and they played very well last year. They did. And, re- and remember, there was a, such an emphasis on the running game last year, right? Yes. Why wouldn't you keep that stability there, especially if you're going to even lean on that running game a little bit more because you're breaking in a brand-new quarterback? Correct. So having those guys there, especially one, you know, those two guys, uh, and, and, and they can pull, they can get out, they're, they're confident in what they're doing, plus they're on either side of a brand-new center. Right, and, and you know what? I think you're going to need to see, like I said, I think these are the type of guys who can open up an inside running game, and I think you're going to need to see that because I think Kyle McCord's friend is going to be the play-action pass. I really do. Mm. So do you think Kyle McCord lines up under center a little bit more? Than what we I don't see? Know I mean, if he lines we did up, see it a little uh, bit this past year. A bit. We saw it a little bit. I don't know if I'd say he lines up a majority of the time, but I do think we'll see it some. Um, I mean, let's face it. He, he does not have the, the rushing ability to get out there and really be uh, – we're not going to see an option out of Kyle McCord. We're just I, not. I don't know. I mean – Okay, I, I mean, just 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 hear me out real quick. We, you know, we had a we had a pretty much a statue back there until the final game of the season in CJ Stroud. But the difference is, I think CJ Stroud had a lot more athletically going on than what we have with McCord. We don't know McCord, that McCord is a. I think McCord's going to be a very solid quarterback, but McCord is going to be your pocket passer. He's not going to be somebody who's going to get out and move the pocket and. I mean, he'll extend plays, but he's not going to move the pocket and take I'm off. Gonna, I'm going to push it. back. I'm going to push back on you a little bit. <clears throat> okay. okay. Because, hear me out. What if Ryan Day moves him out of the pocket just to, to as a quarterback, to narrow that field down? Hey, we're going to concentrate on the right side or the left side of the field here. Let's move you out of the pocket to kind of uh, simplify things for him a little bit. And this is going to be a great question for our guest coming up because he he's a former quarterback and he knows he's forgotten more about the position than you and I will ever know combined. But I've, I have heard experts talk about that, you know, get the guy out of the pocket, give him a, a couple options and, and there you have it. But I'd be more confident in that if we had a more established offensive line. Now you're asking these tackles who are brand new to block on the move. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, it's going to be very interesting to see. I'm excited, uh, Chris, yeah. to, to get to see the spring game. I think that's going to be a very interesting. What comes out of the spring, I think, will be very telling for us on this. But, you know, I'm with you for the most part. I think we flip-flop the tackles, but we'll see if they bring anybody in. Plus, there is a wild card here that I do want to mention to you. He was a freshman last year. Um, I believe that there is a opportunity or a place excuse me for someone like um Carson Hensman to have yeah. an opportunity to maybe get some playing time here um he was a big time recruit last year yes. we stole him from Wisconsin 
Um, if, if, if things break down and they've got to move Donovan, kick him outside, I wonder yeah. if he's the one they slide in. Plus, we're going to have a fourth-year player in Emak Vamahi. Yes, yeah. So yeah, there's and I'm, I'm a little disappointed. Down. I kind of thought that maybe the, the uh, Vamahi would get a chance. I thought they would bump Jackson out and maybe give him a shot. But, you know, we'll, we'll see. We we shall see. Ryan Day, uh, you know what? As much as I get on him, Ryan Day knows a whole lot more about this than I do. So <laughs> That's right. That's right. All right, guys, we're going to take a quick commercial break. And when we come back, our guest, former quarterback Greg Fry, is going to join us. So make sure you stick around, everybody. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The OHIO Podcast is brought to you by Mastermind. Mastermind specializes in 360-degree high-definition mobile video mapping, GIS integration, and traffic safety studies. Mastermind cares about traffic safety and keeping you safe on the roadway. Visit Mastermind at OnlineMastermind.com. All right, guys, and we are back, and with us right now is former quarterback from Ohio State, Greg Fry. Greg, thank you so much for joining the OHIO podcast tonight. Uh, you're welcome, guys. Happy to be on. We got so many things. I've got so many things I want to talk to you about, and I, obviously we have all of our people who are watching and listening uh, right now live on Facebook and YouTube, and we want to encourage all of you to put your questions for Greg down in the comment section. We will have a op- uh, time to uh, make sure we share those with Greg. But Greg, I want to start here right now. Wow. Let's go back to when you were in high school. You were a big-time high school recruit. How did you end up at Ohio State? I love these questions for every person I ever talked to who played for Ohio State to get their recruiting story. Boy, that's crazy. The irony is um, I was just on a, a conference call today to learn about the recruiting process now for my son, who's a freshman, um, young quarterback. And because the recruiting game is so different than it was when I played, um, I had an old school coach, Steve Rasso, um, at St. Xavier High School, who opted to wait until the end of your senior year to give you all your letters and information from schools. So I, did, I didn't know. I knew I was a decent prospect. I knew I was having a really good senior year. I knew I played well as a sophomore, junior. But until then, I really wasn't sure. And I got a big box of stuff at the end of my senior year. And at that point, you know, it wasn't too late in the game because it was different then, right? So, But I, I had probably, let's call it 90 days or less to do my visits talk to coaches, go through the whole process and make a decision. So when it came to Ohio State, they were very late to the game. 
and I don't quite remember all the detail, but there was a coaching change at the quarterback position. And I know Jim Trestle was the coach, the quarterback coach, just prior to when I got recruited. He left. I think he went to Syracuse, I believe. So there was a gap in having a quarterback coach and or whoever was recruiting Cincinnati. And I wasn't on the radar. So I was uh, looking at Boston College, uh, you know, a handful of others, Iowa, um, San Diego State. And I, I remember I asked my dad, I said, hey, I'd like to at least know if Ohio State has some interest. So, you know, he just, he called it, he got the phone. You know, my dad was very much of a, he, he knew what to do. He called, he called uh, a local Ohio State alumnus. And within 24 hours, we had contact. So then it was pretty fast. And, it, and this might have been early January, which is crazy. Like, for, you know, signing day was let's, early February. Um, early January, and immediately Coach Bruce got involved. Uh, Tom Lichtenberg, who was then was hired as the quarterback coach. Uh, two men who are great men in my lives, both have passed on, were phenomenal coaches. And, you know, frankly, I wasn't a huge Ohio State fan at the time. In Cincinnati, like, I, I always joke, like, uh, Notre Dame was on the front page. Kentucky basketball was on the front page of the Cincinnati Inquirer. And, and Ohio State scores were on, like, you know, D14, literally. It wasn't. It was not on my radar. I was not an Ohio State fan. I was a big Notre Dame fan, growing up a Catholic town, et cetera. So the point is that uh, Ohio State got involved then, and Earl Bruce, he, did, he sold me. I loved Earl. And I was – my goal was to play uh, baseball and football, which was, you know, a little bit unique. And I was, I was very firm with that, and, and he gave me the, the, the go-ahead to do that. And at the end of the day, in the course of that month or so, I visited, had a great visit, and just – there's something about Earl that just really intrigued me. And, uh, and I was attracted to playing there. And ultimately, being close to home for my parents was huge. They were able to watch me. You know, it turned out they were able to watch me play. And uh, at the end of the day, when I made my decision, uh, being close to home, proximity was huge. Uh, Earl Bruce was huge. And there's a big backstory. And, and, and God, God bless Earl. If he was here, he would tell you the story. Because i got to share this. Because... My mom was a staunch Catholic. I went to a Catholic grade school, Catholic, you know, I went to St. David High School, right? Boston College was recruiting me. So in my mom's eyes, there's no decision. You're going to Boston College. Like, that's just where you're going to go. Although she said to me, hey, it's your decision. Whatever you do was fine. You know, well, when I made the decision to go to Ohio State, she didn't speak to me for three days. <laughs> and Earl talks about, he said, he said in late January, he called me up. He wanted to talk to me. He says, but really, I want to talk to your mom. And he goes, your mom answered. And he goes, and I, because I didn't get her, but I got close. <laughs> and he, he was so proud of that moment. He would tell me years later, and I decided to laugh because I, I didn't know what that happened at the time. So anyway, there's, there's your story. That's how I ended up at Ohio State. That is beautiful. So my, my, my best friend is Carl Hugler, who worked. Uh, he was a student trainer under Earl Bruce. I think, I think his last year might have been right before you got there. Okay. And because uh, I think 82 was uh, was kind of when he was with the, the football team. But anyways, um, he loves Earl and and he and I actually got to meet Earl. Uh, the I think it was the week after he dotted the eye. Oh, wow. The shoe. So I, this is going to be for Carl. Talk okay. just a few minutes about Earl Bruce, the man and what you loved about him. I don't know if a few minutes we covered. I mean, Earl is. I get emotional about this because Earl is one of the top mentors in my life and the things that he taught me. Um, he was very difficult on me my first two years. My goal was to survive practice without an ass chewing. 
and it didn't happen. <laughs> Not once, literally. So he had this kind of good cop, bad cop thing. He was the bad cop, and his recruiting coordinator, Bob, Bob McNay, was the good cop. So Earl would just undress me every single practice. And as a young quarterback, I, I figured it out later. Like, that was the goal. Like, if, if I could survive practice with him, then I could play on Saturdays. But if you couldn't survive him and his heat, no chance. So Bob McNay would go to dinner with me, and he would sit with me invariably once or twice a week, and he'd be patting me on the shoulder. You're going to be fine. You're going to be fine. You're going to be fine. And I'm like, man, I can't do anything right. Like, I mean, it's like every day. And they knew what was going on. Um, but I realized after the fact that he did prepare me because the first time I got in the field, I realized, like, and, and I'm sure guys that played for Woody probably felt the same way. Like, you're looking around like, oh, he's over there. He, he can't come out of here like this. I'm good, right? And it's a weird psychology, but it worked. I, I will say that Earl taught me so much, and I had this conversation recently with a former Buckeye, and I'll just say that he, when he got fired, it was one of the greatest lessons I've ever been taught. Uh, it was the week in the Michigan game, and I'm sure a lot of people know the story, right? He gets fired on Monday. We play Michigan on Saturday. Earl addressed the team on Monday, and I'll never forget it. You could hear a pin drop. And he was so emotional and he just, he became so unselfish. In fact, he said, look, our job as coaches, my job is to coach you guys Saturday in Ann Arbor and our job is to prepare, to prepare you to go up there and win. And that's, he goes, that's what we're going to do. I'll take, he goes, I'll take all the rest of the stuff that's on me, all the media, all that other BS. Now I can't paraphrase, but mix in a couple of F-bombs and you kind of get the mix, right? Red sure. face, <laughs> pound his fist. And you talk about a group that was locked in. It was incredible. And, you know, years after, he leaves. He goes, to, he goes to Northern Iowa, Colorado State. And years after, I was able to spend eight years with him doing radio for WTVN. And I really got to really, really know Earl outside of coaching as a person more. And, you know, I got the full story of why he was let go, et cetera, et cetera. But I just had so much respect for him because he, he wasn't bitter. And he, I... You know, the the ability for him to forgive what happened to him was amazing. Now, there might have been one or two people he didn't forgive, but he did. <laughs> he, and I won't mention his names because, you know, figure that out. But he he still loved Ohio State University, and he still loved yeah. Columbus, and he was so much of a part of that. And I just – as uh, there's, there's so many lessons in that week that, I, that I'll never forget, and uh, I'm just grateful that I had that opportunity to be there and experience that with him. My childhood uh, was – you know, I grew up with my dad listening to 610 WTBN on the radio and, and hearing him and me as a young Buckeye, not really knowing, you know, that that's the former coach, <laughs> but his passion right. that would just come across, man. So right. you were the starting quarterback in a, in a coaching transition. Yes. You can speak to that a little bit. What is that like? And as a leader and as a captain, you know, what, what was going through your mind, the emotion, the, the uh, mental, you know, kind of hurdles you're having to go over to go from someone who, you, who recruited you, who you looked up to as a mentor, to now you have a brand new coach, new philosophy, all of that. I, this is a whole other podcast probably, Eric. Like that, that, <laughs> I, I don't know if I can shrink that one down. It's very challenging. I'll say that. I went through the process of thinking, okay, you know, am I going to transfer? What am I going to do? What type of offense are they going to run? And at the time you transfer, you got to sit out a year. So I, I called up Boston College because I, I had a great relationship with them. I was very much considering transferring. 
you know, now who knows what I would do. Um, you know, different story. But point is, is that I, I chose to stay. Um, you know, I, I talked to Jim Coletta, who was our new offense coordinator at the time. I liked his offense. I liked the style of the offense. That was enough for me to stick around and stay. The reality was that the downside is that you get a new staff coming in. It's very much, it's like a political regime. It's like, you know, going blue to red or vice versa, right? And I was not of the color of the new staff and nor was anybody else that was staying. And you can look back, you can look back at the newspapers and the media, that coaching staff came in and said, well, you're not our guys. We can't mm -hmm. trade you. I mean, that's what they said to us. And, and maybe some staff still do that. I don't. I haven't seen anyone's recently do it, but that's not a pleasant feeling. When they tell you right from the get-go, you're not our guys. And they also said, we want an athletic quarterback that can run the option, blah, 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 blah. You know, basically saying, well, you're not our guy. So it was, from the get-go, was not pleasant. So I had to grow up a lot. And I'll just say that I knew, I knew that I could be the guy. And I was very determined to prove that. And in the course of being a three-year starter, they made every effort to unseat me, and I made every effort to not give them a reason to. So <laughs> I think my statistics speak for themselves uh, amidst all that. And I, I was not a fan of that coaching staff at all at the time. They treated me like an absolute dog poop. I'd like to say another word, but they did. And the reality is, I guess, years later, John Cooper apologized to me at a, at a Ohio State alumni event in Mansfield in front of probably 500 people saying that they, they didn't use me to my, to meet my talents as best, you know, as he thought they should after, years after, which I about fell over when he said it to me. Um, and it, you know, it, it is what it is. So I, I made the best of a really difficult situation and, uh, I'm very proud that I, I stuck it out, but I'm going to tell you, it wasn't easy for sure. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm super glad you stuck it out, and I'm going to share why in just a second, but I have to share this comment with you. He was actually listening. My buddy Carl, he says, Greg, thanks for sharing stories about Earl Bruce. I was very blessed to work with Coach Bruce. God bless you, uh, Greg. Uh, praying hands. Go Bucks. <laughs> so there you go. So very nice. Okay, so I posted a quick YouTube video on our on our social media sites yesterday of a game that I remember from my childhood. And you probably know where I'm going. I was, uh, I think it was eight years old, and you guys traveled to Minneapolis, played in the old was it the Metrodome? Metrodome. Yeah. yeah, and Schubert A. Humphrey Metrodome. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I remember this game because I remember my dad being so upset at, at what was going on, but it was one of the greatest comebacks in Ohio State history, if not the greatest comeback in Ohio State history. And I believe at the time, wasn't it the greatest comeback in college football history? It was tied for second. Okay. It's, it's still like top seven or eight. Um, I think there's two teams that have come back more than 31 points. Okay. And then, then you get down to a lot of teams that not a lot, but there's let's say there's six or so that have done 31 points, but it's a matter of how long it took them to do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which is so you guys, so That's, you guys fell behind 31 nothing. You do get that touchdown and I believe a two point conversion before you go in the halftime. Right. Here's my question: What happened at halftime in that locker room? And because when you guys came out, it was like a different football team. And it, it, it is super, still to this day, I get goosebumps from it, man. It is awesome. Right. So 
again, this is one I, I this is one of those days I remember vividly. And the first thing I, I'll tell you is that I had to make a decision on the sideline because you you're human in that situation. And when things don't go your way, you know, you have that, that, that fight or flight or freeze emotion. And it was very heavy with me. Uh, we turned it over like five times in the first half. And I remember vividly, I made myself stare at that scoreboard when it was 31 to nothing. And, and I was beat up pretty good in the first half. It was a physical first half. I got hit a you, bunch. You were getting annihilated, uh, man. <laughs> yeah, and I, including a smelling salt, the whole deal, right? So, um, and I was holding the towel. And I just, I just remember, like, I'm kneeling. I'm, I'm staring at the scoreboard. And I made myself stare at it and just accept where we were and choose to not quit. And it was that simple, which is, it's not my nature to quit. But, again, with the environment that we're in, it's like, eh, you know, you, your brain starts going, well, maybe it's not our day. Let's just let's just play out the string, get on the bus and get the heck out of here because it's not going to happen. But I just, I credit my dad on that one. Like I just wasn't, I couldn't do it. I, I had to keep fighting. So the goal was, let's just score for halftime, right? Let's just do that. You start, you start to get these little goals, right? And we did, and we went for two and we got it. So it was 31 to eight. And I got to tell you, 31 to eight, you're down 23 points. Sounds really attractive after you were down 31. So, uh, the halftime was, uh, I just remember the offensive guys went in our room, defensive guys went in theirs, coaches go meet for a while. So we had, let's call it eight or 10 minutes as just us. And that's where the leaders show up, right? That's where the guys, you know, the upperclassmen, the, the linemen were talking. And I just got sales pitch mode. I'm like, guys, look, first of all, this is Minnesota. And all, all due respect to Minnesota, we hadn't lost to them. We knew we could beat them. And we, we, the problems were on us. We turned it over five times. We gave them four of those scores. Flat out gave them to them. And credit them for scoring. But it was like, look, guys, if we stop turning the ball over, we can move the ball on these guys. And we had, we felt like we had the best offense in the Big Ten, which I think by year's end, we did. We knew we could throw it. We knew we could run it. Um, so it was a matter of let's just get out of our own way. Let's go do what we do. And let's see if we can chip away at this thing. And we didn't talk about winning. We talked about chipping away. Because mm-hmm. we knew we got the ball first in the second half. Um you know, and, and again, that last drive before the half was gave us some confidence. So, you know, the coaches came in and we made a few adjustments. But, I, you know, and I, I can't tell you what the coaches said. Some people like, what did Coach Cooper say? I, I don't know. He wasn't in our room. So I'm not going to give him any credit. I'm just not. <laughs> and I love John. I do. I, John and I have mended our ways. But at the time, like, we're just get out, like, get out of the offensive room because he was not involved with the offense. And if he stuck his nose in we're like, get out, literally. So offensively, though, we knew we we could do. I I guess the, the wiser I get, that the more I just speak directly in this. Eric, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're fine. You're fine. You're fine. I got it. So uh, Chris, get ready with a question. I'm going to ask this one. This comes from one of our listeners right now. This is from Greg Olberding. He says, "Greg, was the Minnesota game your number one memory as a Buckeye, or do you have another one that's your number one memory?" I have a few. That, I mean, obviously that's a big one. It's what a lot of people remember. Um, my first, I, I was, you know, I kind of was known for the comebacks. So my first one was LSU in 88. And that was a dream come true for me because it was, you know, I threw a touchdown pass to win the game against, you know, LSU at the time. They were like fifth ranked in Ohio Stadium. Like that was, it was very emotional for me. Um, Iowa, my senior year, we were at Iowa. We had to win to stay in the Big Ten race. They were undefeated at the time and they ended up playing the Rose Bowl. They were a great football team. And we stole one from them in the last set, literally the last second. Uh, that's another. That's I, I'd say those three are my top three. And there's a few other ones, but those three stand out because they were comebacks. And I say three, Minnesota. Go ahead, Chris. 
Okay, so Greg, uh, you know, recently there's been a huge amount of former players who have come back into the coaching ranks. Now, I understand you coached from 2004 to 2008, roughly, correct? Mm-hmm. Have you had any thoughts of returning to coaching at all? Uh, yes, and I am. <laughs> so I, I jumped back in last fall. Um, my son is, is now he just finished up his freshman year at Bexley. So I've watched other high school coaches in my broadcast days. You know, my broadcast duties as a, as a high school analyst, I've yeah. watched some friends coach their sons, and I'm like, I want to do that. So, you know, I've been timing it up. So I, I was the offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach last year at Bexley. So, yes. Okay. Any thoughts of possibly moving on to the college ranks again? None. Okay. Zero. I want a life. No thanks. Yeah. <laughs> there it is. There it is. There's the truth bomb. I knew. <laughs> I, Absolutely. I researched that 20 years ago. I'm like, no, no. And I, I remember I want. I, I talked to a couple of high state coaches that I know well. And they're like, why are you talking to us? Like, you got a life. Like, don't. don't, don't do <laughs> okay. Uh, as a former player, what are your thoughts about the college changes? You know, with NIL and and uh, the transfer portal and things, it's a whole different world, isn't it? It, it is. And I just went to the uh, Ohio State coaches, uh, I should say Ohio State high school coaches football clinic this past week, which was at the Hilton Easton. And a lot of the presenters were college coaches. So you see a lot of the college coaches come in there and you have those conversations. And they, they spoke, a lot of them spoke very openly about it, about how difficult that is um, with, N- with NIL um, and the portal. And uh, I talked to uh, uh, the new UC coach, uh, I think it's Satterway, uh, who came from Louisville. He says, I've been on the job 60 days. And he spent two days with his team. And I, and I was like, it was eye-opening. Like, are you kidding me? He's like, two days. Because of all the other stuff that, that's going on, right? Um, Luke Fickle spoke about uh, he's not a big fan of the portal, yet uh, they have signed 13 kids out of the portal. And and at Wisconsin, they've signed like they, – they haven't taken transfers. They're rarely taking transfer. But this year, just given the situation, you know, they had, of course, guys left when he came in. So it's kind of one of those you have to adopt to the certain the, – the existing circumstances. Um, and, you know, some coaches use the portal more than others. Uh, but they, they talked about the challenges of it's difficult to to really, uh, you know, work with a player for four or five years now because if you treat them badly, they're just going to leave, right? If you're not nice to them, they're going to leave. So it's really a delicate situation from a coaching standpoint, and I, I can't imagine how, how challenging that is. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Chris, go ahead. You got another one? Yeah. So, so Greg, we've talked about your favorite moments. Is, is there a moment that you wish you could have a redo on from back in your playing days? Oof. Um, just that one pass that maybe you wish you didn't throw. One time that you wish you had just played some little. No, bit. I don't really live that, and, and I don't. I don't look. I don't look at things like that. Um, but I will tell you that people ask me that all the time. What happened on that play? Well, Mike. Well, you know, didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> I. I um, you know, there's probably I would think I would tell you there's a couple plays that were right through good passes that weren't caught in yeah. certain critical situations that I tend to um, I have a hard time forgiving certain people for not catching those <laughs> balls. Uh, yeah, but I'm 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 a forgiving person. I have, but I say that jokingly, like you know, those are the kind you're like, uh, you know, if that guy just would have caught that pass, you know what? And and I've had my mistakes too, but I don't. I move on from mine. Like I'm, 
I'm down the field. So, so, and you kind of touched on it there. You, you know, you, you had some really nice, good receivers. You played Jeff Graham, Bobby Olive, uh, Brian Stabline, who was always yeah. one of my favorites. Uh, yeah. uh, you know, you had some great running backs. Who, who was your favorite go-to target, Greg? <clears throat> if you if you had a third and six and you had to get the had to get the first down, who are you going to? You know, I would I go back to my my last two years, and the guys that you mentioned were all guys I could rely yeah. on. And it, you know, if Bobby Olive was sitting here, Jeff Graham was sitting here, I, I either one. I mean, I yeah. I didn't have a favorite because I could trust those guys. Ultimately, as a quarterback, you got to trust, and those guys I could trust. Brian Stabline, I could absolutely trust. Bernard Edwards was a big one for us. He was our slot guy. I could trust Bernard. So all those guys. I mean, I I, I truly didn't I didn't get wrapped up in that. I was more I knew that those guys were capable, so it was a matter of matter of making the right reads and just delivering football. And over time, those guys all made plays. So, so you've seen the recent crop of receivers that Ohio State has put out—just amazing, <laughs> amazing guys. Is there one of these guys that you just say, "Gosh, I wish I could have had this guy"? No, but I, I think the, the point, and you know, we talk about the the quarterback race coming up here. I, I'm going to say the same thing I said two years ago when C.J. Stroud won the job. I said, whoever wins the job is going to light it up because they've got a great coach. They've got a great staff. They've got a great offense. I mean, I feel like I could still throw the ball a little bit. I'm like, I could probably throw for 3,000 yards in that offense. I mean, as long as I didn't get hit, you know, because those guys are – they're open and you got time to throw. A lot of those throws aren't too hard. And as a former quarterback and a coach, Greg, the, the next starting quarterback will be? We're not there yet. We don't know. <laughs> the guy that wins the job. And you right. know what, Chris? Here's your answer. They don't know yet. Right. They don't know. I, I would tell you the guys in the room have a pretty good feel because if you're in the room every day and you're practice every day, those guys know. Yeah. But we, you know, we're 15 practices away from having a better feel for that, um, and it's it's uh, you know, it'll take care of itself. I know that it always does. On that note, Greg, I got I to gotta get your take on Ryan Day and his offense. Mm-hmm. As a former quarterback, what do you think, man? It's kind of hard to argue with what they do. You know, I, I think, uh, I mean, geez, if you look at their production the last couple of years, it's insane what they do. The, the only thing I would say, the only, and I only say it's a critique, and again, I'm an offensive coordinator, right? Mm-hmm. We were one and eight last year. So if you if anybody could nitpick me and say, that guy sucks, he's not any good, right? We weren't. <laughs> So I understand what it's like to sit in that chair. So Ryan does a lot of good things, but every coordinator kind of has their way of doing things. I'll, I'll say this. I feel like you need to have a quarterback that's a little bit more mobile. C.J. Stroud was mobile, but either they didn't ask him to run it more or they told him not to. I don't know which one it was because, you know, I'm not in the room every day. I don't know. But I feel like in crunch time, you look at the last couple games, right, like, Mission game, he wouldn't run the ball very much. And boy, there was opportunities. Now, they got the message because against Georgia, he ran it more. And it's like, right. whoa. Like, it, it, my point is this as a coordinator, when you've got a mobile quarterback, uh, and I, you know, I made some notes here, I'll take a JT Barrett all day long over a great thrower. He was a pretty good thrower, but a really good runner. Now, I wouldn't run him, you know, Urban got, Urban ran him a little in my opinion, too much. Sometimes 18, 20 times a game, like a running back, you know? I don't want a quarterback taking that much pounding. But if you run a quarterback, let's say, five to seven times a game by design, and he's going to run for a couple first downs when he when he knows he can, 
that puts tremendous pressure on a defense. Now, again, you, Ryan, if Ryan would sit here, he'd say, well, we don't need to because we got all these receivers and we got these backs. Okay, I agree. But I also feel like I, I would say, okay, well, look at Georgia the last couple of years. They don't have the best thrower in the, in the nation. He's a pretty good thrower, but, man, he can run. And when he's got to go run for first down or be mobile, he did it, and it worked. So it doesn't mean I'm right, but I just I would like to see a guy that that can certainly throw it, but has the ability to go run for first down when needed. Or you know, if you're going to run the zone read, which they do, and a lot of variation of that, have a guy that can get a little bit out of it that you're going to run a few times. Because if you run him a couple times, it changes the way defense has to defend you because they have to respect the quarterback. And as a coordinator. I feel like you got 12 guys in the field when your quarterback can run. That's what I feel like. Greg, I would be remiss if I didn't ask you about maybe a little bit of your story about concussions and how you as a father and as a football coach feel about this trend that we are on to try to get the head out of the play, especially tackling from a defensive side and how maybe positive you think that is as someone who has dealt uh, with concussions and, and maybe, ta- uh, maybe you can um, combine this answer with how you feel Ryan day and his dear wife have uh, a tackled mental illness amongst um, a youth today. I think that th- not that they're combined, but they kind of can be connected a little bit. Well, those are two great. There are two great questions there. I think they're very different. Um, yeah. Number one, I think it's great what they're doing. Um, advocating for mental health. Um, obviously, Ryan's got a background, having dealt with that with his father, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, I did a podcast about a year ago with some dear friends who lost a, a daughter to suicide. So um, I didn't know her, but I know that I know what happened. And, uh, you know, that's just, uh, but it comes down to taking care of mental health. So I believe in, I, I love it that they're advocating for that. How about that? Yeah. Um, on the other side, as far as uh, concussions, again, that could be a whole show, but I, I will say this, that I'm a guy, you're looking at a guy that's had 12 plus concussions. I've had one very serious outside of football um, that, that led to probably five or six years of, of side effects that were very real, but I've learned a lot about the healing of the brain and mm-hmm. neuroplasticity, et cetera, et cetera. And I've learned that you can heal. So I, I I've lived it. Uh, I, have had concussions in sports. I had a couple in football. Um, I think if people, if I said to people, you know, I had 12 concussions, the assumption would be, well, those were in football and that's not, that's not the case. Uh, I will say that there's a lot of, uh, negative media towards concussions mm-hmm. too much in a sense. The narrative is that football, you know, cause I hear this from moms all the time. I'm holding my kid out of football cause there's too many concussions. Well, when I say we'll stop reading the news because it's not all true. Yes, there's concussions in football, but they happen in other sports too. And it's not as bad as you might think that it is. And yes, the helmets, the helmet safety is getting better. Um, tackling is getting better as far as where to put the helmet. Um, it's a physical sport. The injuries are going to happen, right? But you know what? They happen in basketball. They're not wearing helmets, <laughs> right? They right. happen in cross, they happen in soccer, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, I'm going to defend football very, very um, firmly in that one because there's this narrative out there that it's just the worst thing for young kids, and I totally disagree uh, because there's so many positives to football from a team-building standpoint, um, et cetera, et cetera, and, and dealing, learning how to deal with adversity, learning how to deal with success, 
And again, I have a child that's going through that right now. And, you know, he took a couple shots last year. I can tell you that, you know, he had a first game of the year. You know, there was a blatant targeting on him and it was vicious right in front of me. And I'm coaching plus on dad. And I'm like, woof. And the, re- the ref standing right next to me didn't call it. Mm. And I mm. took it a little intense and I wanted to bring that guy's neck. And I, you know, I chose not to. And when I watched it on film, it was worse on film. Mm. You know what? I give him credit. My son bounced up, went back to the huddle, and all we went, right? So that stuff, you're going to have collisions. It's a collision sport. But uh, I would say that it's improved. Now, in the NFL, I just saw stats in the NFL. Their concussion number went up. Um, again, you can argue that one because it's so conservative now that if a guy's, you know, if he's looking at the doctor funny, he's out. Like, he's out. Right. You could argue, uh, again, we go down a rabbit hole on this one. You can yep. look at the Dolphins, and with Tua, you know, he had a bunch of them this year and a couple times played longer than he should have, and it wasn't diagnosed properly. You know, but that's a hard one because I've, I've been on the sideline with guys that, you know, I'm thinking, man, I think he's concussed. And I've had discussions with doctors or trainers like, I think, I, I've told a trainer, he's concussed, get him out. And the trainer's like, no, he's good. And I was right at the time. Mm-hmm. But I've seen the opposite of that. You know, coaches tend to argue for – Hey, I want my kid to play. I don't want him out, right? Let's take right. the risk, right? And he, every coach is, 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 is coached knows that feeling. Of, I want my guy to play. I got to have my guy, right? Um, so I guess to wrap it up, it's, it's a delicate subject. But I would say that um, I'm not completely buying into the narrative that's the worst thing or it's as bad as, as the narrative says it is. I don't buy that. There's a, there's a lot of untruths there. Uh, and if you talk to a lot of orthopedic surgeons, they'll tell you, well, the other sports are just dangerous. You know, I mean, concussions are going to happen. So to the moms out there that listen, I'm saying, you know, it's not what you're reading. Yes, there can be concussions, but it's not that bad. It's just not. There's too many other positives in football that I, that I advocate. And, and again, I'm speaking from a standpoint of I had 12. Been there, done that. I'm still here and I bounce back and I have a child that's playing. So I feel pretty good about that. It's nine o'clock, guys. We're gonna to have to wrap this up, but I, I gotta ask my 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 famous question, Greg. I ask this to every interview I give to you, Greg Fry. What does it mean to be a Buckeye? Oof, well, that's a great one. Hmm. <laughs> you know, it's special for me because you know I played in Ohio Stadium, which is just I'm so grateful that I had that opportunity. And it's still special to go back, be part of that. You know, to hear Carmen, Ohio, just makes my my hair stand up. To be able to go to practice, I mean, it makes me very, very proud that I know that I I was part of that. Um, I also, you know, I, I loved my academic um, participation in Ohio State. I had great teachers. I mean, I had a tremendous academic experience. So, you know, it's not just football for me. I also had two years of playing baseball at Ohio State and won a Big Ten championship. And, you know, 1991, I think we, our team still holds the record of uh, the most wins in Ohio State history. We won a Big Ten, won a Big Ten uh, um, tournament, et cetera. So it's deep for me, from my personal experience and then my years afterwards, um, to all the coaches that have kept an open-door policy for former players, which has been a great thing that I can go back and still feel like I'm a part of that. That, that uh, you know, our that, that the groundwork that, that my guys laid down, you know, with me was important. So, um, yeah, there we go. There it is, guys. 
Greg Fry, thank you so much for coming on and being part of the OHIO podcast. I have enjoyed this interview thoroughly, my man. Uh, this has been a lot of fun, and I'm going to enjoy following you and your son's recruitment. I'm really big in the recruitment uh, recruiting, so <laughs> All right. looking All right. forward to that. Maybe we can catch a catch a game uh, uh, with Bexley this year. That'd be a lot of fun. Um, to all of you who are watching, thanks for tuning in and being a part of this live show. As always, you can go to our YouTube channel. You'll be able to watch this recording. We'll also break this down and record this a few days later uh, of just this section of the interview with former Buckeye quarterback Greg Fry. Greg, thanks again so much. We really appreciate that. To all of you out there, be kind to one another. I owe someone's OH and sing Carmen, Ohio with all your heart. And until next time, OH! I owe! Thanks, Eric. Thanks, Chris. Go Bucks. Thanks, Greg.